it's Tuesday, February the 22nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Putin sends troops to eastern Ukraine and markets plunge in response. First, the world in brief. Vladimir Putin recognized two breakaway republics in southeastern Ukraine as independent states and sent in troops, ostensibly as, quote, peacekeepers, raising fears of a full-scale invasion. Russia's recognition of Donetsk and Luhansk violates the Minsk Accords, a diplomatic agreement that envisioned Ukraine reabsorbing them. In a speech, Mr. Putin questioned the legitimacy of Ukraine's independence. Western leaders accused Mr. Putin of breaching international law. Later, at a specially convened session of the UN Security Council, the Russian ambassador accused Ukraine of military adventurism and said the Kremlin was preventing, quote, a bloodbath. Vasily Nebezia said the West was, quote, nudging Ukraine into war. America called Russia's peacekeeping claims, quote, nonsense. China called for restraint on all sides. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, meanwhile, gave a television address vowing not to cede territory to the Russians, making it plain he expected, quote, clear support from the West. The Biden administration said it would prohibit Americans from trading with or investing in the separatist regions. But it refrained from imposing the broad sanctions it had promised in the event of a Russian invasion. Although further measures are expected to be announced on Tuesday, it said it would continue with diplomacy, quote, until the tanks roll. Oil prices surged and stock markets fell in response to the escalating conflict. The price of Brent crude futures, an international benchmark, jumped by more than 2% to $97.7, a seven-year high. Japan's Nikkei index and other big stock markets in Asia slid in early trading on Tuesday. The major indices in Germany and France had closed over 2% lower on Monday. Boris Johnson announced an end to all restrictions related to COVID-19 in England in the coming weeks. From Thursday, infected people will no longer be legally required to self-isolate. Instead, they will be advised to stay at home. On April 1st, free testing for the public will end, with some exceptions. Colombia's Constitutional Court voted to decriminalise abortion until the 24th week of pregnancy. Since 2006, the procedure has been legal only in certain cases, such as rape or when the mother's health was endangered. The decision adds Colombia to a growing list of Latin American countries that have recently liberalised their abortion laws, including Argentina, Ecuador and Mexico. Chinese regulators told banks to examine their exposure to Ant Group, a Chinese fintech company. Bloomberg reported the news amid turmoil among Chinese tech stocks, with investors increasingly worried about a crackdown. Maichuan, a food delivery company, was ordered to lower its fees last week. Regulators previously blocked Ant from going public, in what would have been the biggest listing ever. Fact of the day. $21 billion. The amount venture capitalists invested in education technology companies last year.
and correction. In a profile of Balbir Singh Rajawal that ran over the weekend, we mistakenly converted 34 million rupees as 4.7 million dollars. The real figure is a rather less impressive $455,600. Sorry. And now here's today's agenda. The cost of Putin's aggression. What hope for a diplomatic solution to the Ukraine crisis? On Monday, before Russia recognised the independence of Donetsk and Luhansk and sent the troops in, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, said his American and Russian counterparts had agreed, quote, in principle to meet. Joe Biden confirmed this. Vladimir Putin did not. Instead, the Russians wanted talks about talks at a planned meeting between the country's foreign ministers. Mr Biden insisted a summit was dependent on Russia not invading Ukraine. Whether or not diplomacy prevails, Mr Putin has damaged his country by engineering the crisis. Europe, the destination for about a quarter of Russian exports, will not be so welcoming in the future. Germany, for example, must surely accept that becoming the conduit for Russian gas would be a liability. Choosing instead to become the underling in a partnership with China may not be as lucrative, economically or politically, as Mr Putin hopes. Indian aid heads for Afghanistan In October, less than two months after the Taliban took over Afghanistan and the country's economy ground to a halt, India offered to send medicine and 50,000 tonnes of wheat as aid. On Tuesday, the first lorries are due to leave for the border with Pakistan. For months, India wrangled with its neighbour over the crossing of the latter's territory. It wanted to use its own lorries. Pakistan demanded that its vehicles pick up the consignment. The outcome was a compromise. Afghan carriers will travel to the Indian-Pakistan border. India's donations are urgently needed. More than half of Afghans face acute hunger. The breakthrough is significant for other reasons too. Trade between India and Pakistan, both nuclear armed, has dropped almost to zero as tensions have risen, notably after Indian airstrikes on Pakistani territory in 2019. Though trade is unlikely to pick up soon, they have at least shown that they can work together. Fewer journalists killed, more behind bars. Ten years ago on Tuesday, Marie Colvin, an American journalist, and Remy O'Clique, a French reporter, were killed by shelling in Syria. In 2019, an American court found President Bashar al-Assad's regime responsible for Colvin's death. Between 2011 and 2021, at least 300 professional journalists and civilian reporters died in Syria. The year Colvin and O'Clique died was among the bloodiest on record. 147 reporters were killed globally. Since then, however, the number of journalists killed has fallen rapidly. Last year, 46 died. But the number behind bars has risen sharply. Reporters are increasingly imprisoned for alleged anti-government activity. Incarceration rates have leapt in Belarus, China and Myanmar. 
nor is the risk of death disappearing. In some countries, it is growing. In 2019, Mexico replaced Afghanistan as the country where journalists are killed most frequently. Already, five have lost their lives in the country since the beginning of the year. Home improvement firms build momentum. America's red-hot housing market and a wave of renovations prompted by COVID-induced lockdowns have bolstered Lowe's and Home Depot, two home improvement firms. Since February 2020, Home Depot's share price has increased by more than 50%. Lowe's has risen by more than 75%. Both are poised to report healthy figures for their fourth quarters, which ended in January. Home Depot takes stock on Tuesday and Lowe's the next day. For now, Americans are keen to press ahead with DIY. A survey by LendingTree, a marketing platform, found that 7 in 10 homeowners are eyeing a renovation this year. But the boom may not last. Rising interest rates might slow property sales, and inflation could reduce consumer spending. A Harvard University study predicts that growth in spending on home improvements may peak this year. Locked-down consumers had plenty of time to contemplate new tiles or a different hue for the walls. Their enthusiasm might soon begin to wane. Tomorrow's history today. Imagine the world in 50 years. Could the moon be a source of renewable energy? What ecosystems will survive in the Amazon? How will spirituality change? The Museum of the Future in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates opens on Tuesday. It uses virtual and augmented reality to immerse visitors in a hypothetical future. Each floor houses an exhibit built around a theme, such as space or bioengineering. Visitors are invited to quote, see, touch and shape our shared future. That might all sound rather utopian, but Dubai's newest museum has a much simpler goal in the present. It is the latest in a string of cultural investments in the Gulf as countries seek to diversify their economies. The building was named as one of the most beautiful museums in the world by National Geographic. This project positions the UAE at the heart of the future it imagines. Daily Quiz You know the drill by now. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Our apologies for not sharing Monday's question in every time zone yesterday. Here it is along with Tuesday's question. Monday. Which American burger chain was founded in 1969 by Dave Thomas? And Tuesday. What term is used in America to describe the rights read to suspects when they are arrested? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Felix Frankfurter, who died on this day 
1965. The history of liberty has largely been the history of the observance of procedural safeguards. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 